Welcome to the sermon podcast of Exodus Church, located in Belmont, North Carolina. For more information about our church and the many ways you can be involved, please go to our website at theexoduschurch.org or email us at info at theexoduschurch.org. Now, if you'll take your Bible and turn to 2 Timothy, we're in the middle of this series called Entrusted, uh, which is a study of Paul's second letter to Timothy. Now, one of the challenges when we're dealing with books like First and 2 Timothy and even Titus is Paul's writing to this man who's a pastor, who's a leader of a church. And so some of what sounds like a command is actually simply directed at him. And so we've got to read and ask the question, are we looking at a specific command to Timothy, or is this something that's more of a general command to all followers of Jesus? Now, in our passage today, there are some commands that are specific to him, and then there are some things he is to tell us, and then there are some things that we are to be doing. Um, And when we read those things that are for Timothy, um, that doesn't mean that those don't apply to our lives. What we need to do is read them and ask how. So as I've been thinking about this, I've been thinking about signs that you and I see a lot, and we're much more aware of them now than we used to be. When you go into a restaurant bathroom, you see a sign that looks something like this. These signs remind restaurant staff that they're to wash their hands before they return to work. They're intended for the staff, not the patrons of that place. But none of us look at that and say, that's not for me. I'm not going to wash my hands. We just know that that's for someone else, but it could also apply to us. In fact, here's one I found that's probably a little bit more accurate. And as, I, as I've been thinking about Paul's letter to, to Timothy, that's how I think we should read it. There's something here for us. And what we need to do is ask what? And so I want to read God's word today. I'm going to read verses 14 through 26. Then I'm going to pray and we'll jump in. Paul says, Remind them of these things and charge them before God not to quarrel about words, which does no good, but only ruins the hearers. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. But avoid irreverent babble, for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness, and their talk will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus, who have swerved from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already happened. They are upsetting the faith of some. But God's firm foundation stands, bearing this seal. The Lord knows those who are his. And let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. Now in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honorable use, some for dishonorable. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know that they breed quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. Let's pray together. Father, we ask that you would uh, use a medium that we're not used to, to speak your word to our hearts. Holy Spirit, would you work through all the things that, that we are hearing today from your word? 
Would you give our hearts openness to your word? Would you give your word passion and power and clarity? And would you use it to make us set apart, holy, useful for the master? Would you do that? We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Now, I want us to start with the context. So in this passage, what's going on is people are causing trouble. In verses 16 and 8 through 18, we see that there are two professing Christian leaders who have swerved from the truth. They're teaching that the resurrection has already happened. Now, that they're not teaching that the resurrection of Jesus has already happened. That has, in fact, already happened. Jesus Christ was crucified on a cross, buried in a tomb, raised from the grave. But what they're talking about is that the resurrection at the end of all things, that, that uh, God has, they're saying that God has brought the fullness of what we will ever know from him to light now. And what they're saying then is that they have this prosperous experience while Paul is in prison. And so they're telling the people, you should listen to us. You should not listen to Timothy or Paul because what they teach got him into prison. What we teach, they're saying, gets us into prosperity. And so this has led uh, to quarreling. Uh, Paul tells Timothy that it's spreading in the local church body like gangrene, that it's even upsetting the faith of some. And it's led to quarreling. And Paul addresses this in this passage in verses 14, 23, and 24. Now, let's talk about what quarreling is not. Quarreling in this passage is not healthy debate. It's not a well-reasoned discussion around important matters. This is what Paul says about quarreling in this passage. In uh, verse 14 or, or 16, he says, but avoid irreverent babble. This could be translated godless chatter. He calls it later, a fool, he says, foolish and ignorant controversies. These are discussions that have no point. One, one writer called these word fights that lead nowhere. And Paul tells us this in verse 16. He says, avoid irreverent babble for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness. And then in um, verse 23, he says, have nothing to do with these controversies. You know they breed quarrels. So what he's saying is this quarreling just leads to more and more Problems. So that's the context. You have these professing Christians who are spreading false teaching through the body uh, like an infection, and it's creating more and more trouble. And so Paul is writing to encourage Timothy about how to lead the church, and he gives him the call. And the call is to help the church learn to fight fair because we are not to quarrel, but that doesn't mean we're not to work toward clarity. Paul tells us not to quarrel, but there's this call in verses 24 through 26. Uh, I'll start in, yeah, he says, And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth that they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. So Paul tells them not to quarrel, but that doesn't mean they're not to work toward clarity. And if we're to be able to do that, we're going to need to learn to fight fair. That's what we call it in our home. We call it fighting fair. Now, uh, when Cheryl and I got married, we did not know how to do this. 
In her home growing up, there was no conflict. There was no fighting. Everything was fine. And any fighting happened outside the eyes of my wife. Now, in my home, that was recreational. Uh, arguing was our love language. And so we would just get after it all the time. And I was pretty good at it. And so she would accuse me of something, and I would say, give me three examples of that thing. And because God has blessed her with both a kind heart and a short memory, she was never able to compete with me on the arguing stage. In our, in our marriage court, she would always lose. And that came to a head one day when she accused me of kicking her shoes. I told her, I did not kick your shoes. I moved your shoes with my foot. She said, I saw you. I said, no, there's something qualitatively different about moving shoes with your feet than kicking them. And finally, she looked at me and she said, Brian, I don't want to have to hire a lawyer to be married to you. That's when I realized we were not fighting fair. We were not fighting fair. We were quarreling and we had to learn. Now, you know what quarreling looks like in relationships. If you think about conflicts at work or, or at home, you try to discuss something appropriately. And along the way, someone steps on the wrong thing or says the wrong thing, and then it goes from healthy debate to middle school food fight. And you are going after each other. And you're bringing up stuff from the past, and you're, call, you're saying things about them you'd never want to say, and it just has devolved into something that is not helpful. And what started as healthy discussion has gotten into irreverent babble, and it goes from bad to worse. You also probably know what tends to start these quarrels in your life. Stress, anxiety, unmet expectations, fear, feeling out of control, not being able to do what you want to do. Basically, everything we're experiencing right now. And because there are going to be things that we need to discuss and there are going to be disagreements we need to work out, this is a really timely word for us to remember not to quarrel, but to learn to fight fair. And if we're to do this, Paul gives Timothy three things that we need to do in order to learn to fight fair so that we don't quarrel. First thing we're to do is we're to know the word. Now, these are hand-washing signs for Timothy, okay? These are for Timothy, but they apply to us, okay? First thing we need to do is know the word. Look at verse 15. Paul says, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. Now, notice, he says, do your best. Now, this is not to earn something, but to express something. You're, you're to do your best to present yourself to God as one who's working at knowing the word. Not to earn, but to express. And it's a worker. That means you work to know God's word. That means you read it. It means you study it. it means you consider it. Now, part of knowing the word here is knowing how to rightly handle it. It says in verse 15, that we rightly handle the word of truth. We need to rightly handle God's word. Now, God's word is described as a sword. And if we don't know how to rightly handle a sword, we'll hurt people. It, it reminds me of some conversations I've had around uh, people who go to concealed carry class. Now, if you, if you have never handled a weapon, people know. 
Because people who have never handled a weapon treat an unloaded weapon like it's unloaded. And people who know how to handle weapons treat guns like they are always loaded. So they're not ever pointing a muzzle at somebody. They're always pointing it away from people because they're assuming it might be loaded, even when they know it's not. I had a friend who was at a concealed carry class tell me about a story where they were moving from the classroom to the gun range, and she said people were just pointing their weapons wherever, and there was even one person in the class that dropped their gun on the way to the range. Gave me a lot of concern about concealed carry classes, to be honest with you. Well, what Paul is telling us here is he wants us to rightly handle God's word. We want to we remember it's a sword, and we don't want to sling it around needlessly. And so when we're fighting fair with one another, when we're discussing things that are appropriate for us to discuss, we want to make sure that we're not misquoting Scripture or taking things out of context or trying to say more than the Word says. We need to know the Word, and we need to rightly handle the Word. Second, if we're going to fight fair, if we're going to uh, pursue this call to fight fair on our lives, we're, we're going to need to grow in our character. Look at verse Look at verse 20. Paul says, now in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honorable use and some for dishonorable. Now, there are other places in the Bible where house refers to church. Here, it's referring to an individual. Here's how we know that in verse 21. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. And so Paul says in every one of us, there are some things that are beautiful, that are honorable. There's some things that are broken. They're dishonorable. And what he calls us to do is to, by God's grace, cleanse ourselves of the things that are broken so that we can be set apart, ready, and useful. And then he, de- then he defines what some of those things are. Look at verse 20. He says, so flee youthful passions. Now, if you grew up in youth group, that might have been used to talk about sex or something at a youth group thing. That's not what that's about. Youthful passions there is about this need that young people tend to have to win, to, to always get into a fight and to always quarrel. And he says to flee those things. And not only to flee youthful passions, but then to pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. Now, again, he's talking to Timothy. But notice he involves all of us in verse 22. He says, along with all those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. So all of us are to be growing in character by God's grace. Now, here's where we need to remember the gospel together. We, we really need to remember the gospel because we are loved by God before we grow in character, not because we grow in character. This is super important. We are loved by God before we grow in character, not because we grow in character. 2 Timothy 1.9 says, God saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. We are not loved because we grow in character. We are loved before we grow in character. And then our growth is empowered not by our might, but only by God's grace. 2 Timothy 2.1 says, You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. So this, this command to grow in character 
is not to earn something. It's not empowered by our own might, but it's also not optional. Every one of us are to do this as those in verse 22 who call on the Lord from a pure heart. So if we're going to learn to fight fair, we need to know the word, we need to grow in character, and then we need to cultivate a hopeful kindness. Look at verse 24. Actually, in verses 24 through 26, Paul is talking directly to Timothy about who he is to be as the Lord's servant. And he wants Timothy to understand where people are that are causing the problems in the church. So this is not about an argument over washing dishes. This is an issue of eternal destiny. So this is crucial and hugely important. And Paul says to Timothy that these people are in an awful spot. Look at the end of verse 25. God may perhaps grant them repentance leading to a knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. So Timothy needs to look at these people who are causing trouble in the church through that lens. They've been ensnared and captured. So Timothy needs to be kind to them. That's what Paul gets at, the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil. So when those people come back at Timothy with things that are evil toward him, Timothy's got to patiently endure that and then correct with gentleness. And then Paul says, God may perhaps grant them repentance. And so if we're going to learn to fight fair with others, with one another, we've got to operate like Timothy does here, with a hopeful kindness. Now, how do we apply all this? Well, I just want to keep things really simple today. First, don't quarrel. Don't quarrel. Now, I'm using this word as worthless arguments that lead nowhere. I'm kind of taking it out of the realm of theological debate in the church, bringing it more to just those worthless arguments that lead nowhere. Either way, Paul's telling us not to quarrel. Timothy's to command us, to charge us not to do that. Now, we are all in a pretty high-stress time right now. We're surrounded by unknowns, and apparently that's not changing anytime soon. Our schedules are upended. What we thought we were going to do, we're not going to be doing It's springtime, which means everyone's going to have a runny nose and a sore throat really soon, which means we're going to all feel like we're in a Walking Dead episode. Like it's it's just going to be weird. And it's not going to be like a snow weekend. This is going to be some time. And that kind of stress can start to show up in our relationships and we can start to quarrel. And so Paul's words to Timothy to charge them not to quarrel about words actually has tremendous application in our lives right now. And it may be that the stress of this last week has has caused you to quarrel with someone. And maybe after this video, you need to get on the phone and say, hey, listen, I, 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 I was quarreling. My words were not helpful. I was in a word fight with no point. Would you forgive me? It may be that you need to look across your living room and say that to someone. Maybe you need to text somebody and just say, hey, would you forgive me? Paul's words to Timothy, to us, to not quarrel about words, are incredibly, incredibly important.
And then maybe we could do some heart work. We could do the work of verses 20 through 21 where we're looking at what's honorable and dishonorable in us. And we can maybe ask, why was I quarreling? What was going on in me that caused me to to go DEFCON 5 right away on my wife or friend? What was going on in my heart that needs to get cleaned out by God's grace? I think just this simple command of don't quarrel. There's, there's so many things that might encourage us to stress out and quarrel with one another. I think Paul's words to us today are timely and helpful. And if we're going to not quarrel, <laughs> then we've got to grow by God's grace. We've got to grow by grace. Now, embedded in these commands to know the word, to grow in character, and to have a hopeful kindness, embedded in all those commands is the promise of grace. We get to do those things because we belong to God. And because we belong to God, what used to be true of us in verses 25 and 26, that we were ensnared by the devil, that we were captured by him to do his will, what used to be true of us is now no longer true of us. That God, by his grace, has rescued us. That God, by his grace, has captured us not to do the evil one's will, but to do the Father's will now. And that, by grace, that God has called us to a holy calling. Not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. And so if you and I, have any hope today, it's because of God's grace. It's because God saved us, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace. And so if we're to be a people who are not quarreling, if we're to be a people who are not just having word fights that go nowhere, we have got to be a people who are growing in grace. Listen, Exodus, I know we're facing very uncertain times. I know we're facing things that we could read about from history, but none of us in our lifetime have dealt with anything like this. But what we do know is that God's firm foundation stands, that God knows those who were his. He knows you. God has not forgotten you. God is not, God is not um, nervous, stressed, overwhelmed, anxious, God is ruling and reigning even as we walk through these uncertain days. And so as we face them, let's remember that the one who rules is the one who has brought us into relationship with himself so that we could be free to follow him and do his will. And I pray that we do that together, that we do that together. Let me pray for us. Father God, thank you so much for your goodness to us in Jesus. Thank you that you did rescue us, that you captured us, that you freed us from the domain of darkness, that we might be children of God. And not because of our works, but because of your own purpose in grace. And so, Lord, to the degree that we are experiencing stress and anxiety right now, to the degree that we are experiencing fear and worry, Lord, I pray that we would trust you that we would trust you. 
and that you'd protect us from quarreling, that you would teach us to fight fair with one another and really engage in good dialogue and good uh, clarifying conversation, but that we would resist the temptation to quarrel. We'd resist the temptation to have word fights that lead nowhere. And then in doing so, we would display to the world people who trust you in hard times. Help us, Lord. We need you. We need you. We need your power and might to display the goodness and greatness of Jesus to the watching world. So help us do that. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.